Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Drew Meredith, welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. Good to be here. Yes, we've recently been doing these shorter form episodes in the Australian Investors Podcast where we dive into one topic for 20 minutes and we try and cover all of the key points that you'd need to know about this topic. In this case, we're talking about index funds. In another show, we talked about managed funds. In another show, we talk about ETFs. We've done a lot of these different things over the course, as well as things like personal finance. If you like these shorter form episodes of 20 minutes, please send us an email. You can get in contact with us on the Rask sites, as well as hear more from Drew at waddlepartners.com.au. So Drew, we talked about managed funds or mutual funds as they're known in the United States in a previous version of this. What is an index fund? You're always getting me to make overly complex (laughs) concepts into very short, simple definitions. An index fund is a managed fund or exchange-traded fund that simply tracks the performance and price movement of an index. So, sounds like it says what it does on the tin. Index, funds. Funds. (laughs) So, you've got the fund part, which is just like a managed fund, which is that thing that we covered before. It's a trust. Just a wrapper. Just where you put stuff, you put money in, you pull it together, and someone manages it for you. An index fund takes that money and then follows an index. Example of an index might be? S&P ASX 300. Yep. Okay. So ASX 300, which the Vanguard Australian shares ETF follows, and there's a managed fund for that as well. And the S&P 500, which which is run by, in Australia, it's on the ASX in an ETF form. It's run by iShares. IVV, BlackRock. Yep. So an index fund, let's just start about like, let's start out with the index fund industry is ginormous. Biggest in the world. Because why, why... Is it growing? Why is it so big? Why is it so important to so many people? Because financial services is probably the only industry in the world where you can get the average being the market, which is what the index is essentially reflecting for free or close to free. So the fees are so low, you don't even notice them. Exactly. You can, the S&P 500 here is I think 0.08%. I think you even get it lower than that. Yeah. Yeah. So incredible. And then if you go to an act, and as a comparison, an active manager is charging close to 1%. Okay, so an active fund manager versus an index fund, an index fund otherwise known as a passive fund because there's no, it's passive, meaning that there's no one overseeing every single transaction that happens. It's like, here's the rule, follow the ASX 300. 
follow the S&P 500. And it just buys whatever is in that index, right? And tracks the performance minus the fees that it charges. Yeah. So you, before you mentioned, well, we both mentioned S&P. Standard and Poor's is what that means. Yep. So this is a company that has a team that looks at all of the companies in Australia or the United States, and it says, these are the biggest 300 companies, or these are the biggest 500 companies. And it creates a list, right? And it says, Apple is bigger than this other company further down. So basically what happens is, the basics of it is, they create this list, S&P create this list, and they say to a fund manager like Vanguard or BlackRock iShares, and they say, here's the list for today. Go and buy it in this proportion. Vanguard or S&P, or uh, BlackRock go and do that. They pay S&P. And they pay a licensing fee to access that. And that's basically it, right? Yeah, that's not more, not more uh, complicated than that. Okay. The the key there is that the major a lot of indices are market cap or size weighted, which is what you're referring to, yeah. uh, and then tracking the market, you're buying the largest companies on the market by size, and it goes down to, uh, from from the largest to the smallest. So, if someone was to tune into the Australian Investors Podcast this week, and we would say market cap weighted, yeah. which basically means market cap meaning the largest. Yeah. So BHP is, I think, a $200 billion company on the ASX 300. It represents about 12% of that. So if you buy the index of the ASX 300, you get 12% is BHP. Yeah. And then it would go down from there. So this isn't the only way to create an index though, right? Like some people prefer to have a fund that instead of saying the biggest one gets the most, some of them say, well, we'll just make them all the same. So if there's 100 individual companies in this example there'd be 1% in each. So it used to be that index funds were passive by definition, as in you only bought index funds that tracked a single index and they didn't actually, all they did was track the size of them. So just size was the only thing that they thought about. Yeah, but now you can get active, actively re-weighted index funds and you can also get index funds that track a more niche or unique type of index is what you're talking about, an equal weighted where you're holding every, every all 100 stocks at, a, at the same weight of 1% each. Okay. Or there's other things like BHY, BHY. Yeah, yeah. That you're you're tracking an index that seeks to invest into the highest dividend paying Australian shares as part of the ASX 300. So just to give a, some examples there. So just to recap what you said. So we've got the the ASX 300, which uh, is a very common index as well as the ASX 200. So if you want the ASX 200, you might look at something like the IOZ ETF. If you wanted the or STW, those are the ticker symbols. And if you want the 300, the VAS from Vanguard ETF is the biggest, and it's the biggest ETF by a country mile in Australia. And then if you want just the ASX 100 with equal weighting, that's the MVW from VanEck. Yes. So you can see here that even though you're getting Australian shares in all of these index funds, they're slightly different. Different flavors. Yeah. But here's the, here's my question to you, Drew. What about Craig David reference? Oh, <laughs> uh, if you're of that ilk. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> didn't think it. Craig David would probably do a chat about it. Index us, but we'll roll with it. Um, okay, so here's the thing, Drew. If I give you, if I say to you, there is a a fund that invests and attracts only lithium companies, is that what you would say is an index fund? So it only buys things that are lithium. And someone walks up to you and says, I just bought a new index fund and it tracks lithium. What would your response be? I feel like it's not a true 
index funds. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think that a lot of the newer thematic ETFs are tracking indices, but they're indices that are custom built for, for a certain purpose. So that that index index is built to invest in the entire lithium supply chain. That's a very active decision. I kind of see index funds as being passive by definition, or at least, you know, no rebalancing quarterly. That's And this is the thing. So a lot of people that are new to index funds will think, well, that follows an index. That's an index fund. But when we talk about these things as a whole, as a community or an investment profession, and we say index funds, we normally, like most people, 99% of people just mean market cap weighted, like the size one. Maybe they think that there's a low cost equal weight where everything's equally weighted, but they do not mean go out and buy the latest thing that tracks cryptocurrency companies or oil or lithium. That's not, we would call them thematic ETFs, even though they follow an index. So the process is kind of the same. It's not what we're talking about. So it's kind of like what's common use for the language and what's actual, the actual definition. I think to be considered an exchange traded fund on the ASX, it has to track an index, even if that index is custom. Otherwise it becomes an ETMF, doesn't it? Yeah, is that actively how managed. Yeah. So this is another thing, like if it, you know, walks like a duck or barks <laughs> like a duck, it may not be a duck. Um, so this is the thing, like you can have in your brokerage account, when you go and buy a fund, you can have the Vanguard VAS ETF and you can have another Australian shares fund that looks similar and sounds similar, but is not called an ETF right next to it. And that's because one of them might be slightly actively managed and it's changed the definition. So it's triggered rules at the ASX to say, no, you cannot call yourself an ETF. But the one, the VAS one is purely passive. And this is just an attempt by the ASX and by ASIC to just make it easy for consumers because they don't want people running around think they bought an index fund when they bought this high volatility, crazy thing over here to the side. And so just paying attention to what you actually get. And this is why, why it becomes important, Drew. How have index funds, the traditional index funds, the ones that we're talking about, the pure index funds, how have they performed over the last, say, 30 years? Great. Great. <laughs> okay. Great. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's, there's no question on performance because they just track the index. So they've done what the index has done. And so Koshi the, says the stock market went up 2% today. You're, index you're up 2%. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's the beauty of these things that you do. You always get the, the average. Maybe you don't want the average for your whole portfolio and you think you can reduce the amount of volatility you experience or you can find other asset classes that offer more value over the next five years. But these give you the average and they give the average every year. We were chatting to a journal the other night in Sydney and he was saying that it's clear that like active management where you pick individual stocks and da-da-da-da is under serious pressure. It has been for a very long time that the proof is in the pudding. Index funds seem to be winning, right? I think that all the facts point to that. But as you and I talk about every week on the show, we show you that even though we say, you know, we're, we're maybe using index funds, you can still be active in your decisions of which index funds you use and at which times, which then would be an active decision. Exactly. So that's still active management, right? Every decision is an active decision. This is where investing gets getting complicated. <laughs> <laughs> if you're designed to buy the ASX 300 over the 200, that's an active decision. You're saying you want more small caps than what's in the 200. Yeah. And an asset allocation is central to that too. So you're picking the Aussie equities over global equities every time you make an investment decision. So you, can, you can't get away from making active decisions. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you put this note in our notes or I did, 
but the stock market goes up. So people say, always. Right, people, <laughs> that's an asterisk next to that. So people say, oh, well, you're just buying an index fund. You're not going to get good returns because I don't think they understand why the stock market goes up. So maybe I'll just throw this over to you. Why does the stock market tend to go up over time? Because investing in companies are living, essentially living beings. They're evolving, they're innovating, they're changing, but most importantly, they tend to grow and they grow their earnings over time. And I think over 100 years, you've pulled this stat out before, the S&P 500 returns been about 6.5% to 7%. Earnings growth over the 100 years, on average for the market's been about 6.5% to 7%. They're growing as the index is representing those companies and growing as much as earnings are. And that's, that's, so one of the beautiful things about an index fund is let's take the American S&P 500. One of the beautiful things about this is someone, this has happened to me a few times when I've done live shows and then I've said, you know, over 150 years or whatever it is, the stock markets, the profits of these companies have gone up six and a half percent. And someone comes back to me and says, 150 years ago, Apple didn't exist then. <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, but we're not talking about like which companies, we're talking about the whole pie. And if you go back in time, to the year 1900, you would have found that inside the S&P 500, there were majority railroads. Those were the in-vogue booming companies. They were the apples. They were. There were multiple apples of their generation, right? And so, but what happens is as new companies innovate and come into that market and grow faster than those companies, they begin to take up a bigger part of that S&P 500. And so this is where you get this natural rebalancing over decades from sectors and industries to new and innovative companies. And then you get it adapting and evolving. Like you said, it's like it's like a being in itself because it kind of adapts to whatever the economy is doing over time. This is why we like investing to companies versus property in some cases, which you see is more depreciating. Yeah. The property, the actual building goes backwards because it you know, deteriorates, right? Exactly. Yeah. So over time, index funds kind of capture all of that Maybe I will just, for the more advanced listeners here, just quickly throw in something. Some people say that index funds, traditional index funds with the size or market cap weighting, they say that it's momentum driven. Now, this is true to an extent. So what that means is like when the market gets frothy, the stock market tends to bounce up. But there's another thing here that's you should be mindful of. It's not necessarily the momentum within the companies. It's actually momentum within industries. So it tends to shift towards cyclical industry. So like resources or financials tend to go frothy at the top of a bull market, right? Yeah. So it's not necessarily the momentum that we're traditionally known for. What else I'd also add is that there is a growing fear that within the index community, whether it's index funds or index fund ETFs, there is a growing fear that they may be becoming, becoming systemically important. And so what that means is they're getting so big that if Vanguard has to sell something, it has to sell billions of dollars or something in the United States. Yeah, They manage this. And what I believe is going to happen in the future, Drew, I don't know if you agree, but what's going to happen in the future is at the moment, we've got index funds making up anywhere from say 40% to however much, right? Of the large cap companies around the world. But there are other funds and there are other investors at different times. So maybe- there are certain instances where different funds and different strategies come in, not necessarily to exploit that, but to counteract the effect of that. Oh, there's Yeah, there's some evidence around pre, I think most indexes or indices, so the ASX 300 rebalances every quarter and it's announced and they tell you what stocks and they buy and sell them. But there is some arbitrage where funds see what's going to happen and they start trading or selling the stocks that are going to be dumped and increasing them because they see it. And they're 
I mean, the computers just have to be smarter when that happens. <laughs> but that's it. When I speak to like Vanguard and all that, they start to, they begin the process sometimes weeks in advance. Yeah. So they, they know people are trying to do this yeah. and they're not silly. They know if one stock's crashed, there's probably going to be booted out of the index and another one's going to come in or if there's a takeover. Yeah. I think the big one that we'll probably see in the future is like, what happens to governance? You know, exactly. these, these passive uh, index fund providers have their own massive governance teams because all of a sudden they found themselves, oh gosh, we own 20% of this company. We need to vote on this decision. You know, we are in control. We have a lot of discussions around that too. So if you've got an ESG or, or ethical views, mm. it's very difficult for them to be applied in an index yep. in an index environment. And also we had a discussion recently about, you know, the fact that most indices aren't necessarily targeted towards ESG outcomes. Yeah. So they're just literally, they're just allocating capital based on size. They're not allocating based on carbon emissions or yep. any other considerations. So that's one thing that that kind of what we, what ends up meaning for us is we blend so we'll use passive or an index fund and an active fund to to apply those tilts or preferences good point and by the way we've talked a lot about index funds in the context of the stock market you can have an index fund at anything bond markets Australian government bonds global you can have private equity in some cases not ev- not everything but close to everything because you can use derivatives and those types of things like contracts the interesting one is actually the bond market yeah. because if you think about the stock market, we tend to say the biggest companies get the biggest part of the index. Well, it happens the same in the bond market, except it's the other way around. It's like the one with the most debt becomes the, the biggest money. because yeah. it represents the market for bonds, right? Which is why a lot of people say index funds are bad. Yeah. And to be, to be honest, in some respects, in say, for example, a corporate bond ETF, you might be inclined to use active management yep. for that reason. And this is why the, the debate of active or passive, you don't have to choose. As Drew was saying, you don't have to choose one or the other. Why don't I have both? Just pick the best ones of both. You know, don't. <laughs> that, well, I don't know what you're winking at me for, but yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, that old El Paso. <laughs> you're waiting for it. You're waiting for me to do the taco. <laughs> no, if you're a regular listener, you get what we're talking about. But that's at the end of the day, for example, in small cap companies here in Australia, I would prefer to have to pay an active fund manager that I believe in than have an index there's fund. Certain, there's certain indices that, or certain parts of the market that can't be replicated particularly well. Like if an active, if mm. a passive fund got big enough was investing into small caps, that's going to influence the price of those small caps and exactly, exactly what you don't want. Exactly. It needs to be a liquid market. And the issue with bond ETFs is that most bonds are traded over the counter, not on, a, not on the ASX. So they can't price them. So how do you know what, how much it's worth? So you essentially, the risk that, the one thing that people always said would bring index funds or ETFs linked indices down is that if you have unliquid, illiquid assets in a liquid structure. And this is the thing. So at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is, there. I mean, they, the industry complicates this jargon, but basically there are two forms of liquidity inside an index fund. You have your ability to get your money in and out. That's the liquidity stage one. And then underneath that, what is the fund investing in? Because that's the second stage of liquidity. Because if you sell in stage one, they then have to sell whatever's inside it to get their liquidity to give you the money back. And so they've done a really good job of that. But if you have uh, an underlying investment, which is what we call it, the, the second part, if you, you can't have like residential property because you can't just sell the bathroom to give Joe Bloggs back his five grand that he invested. You can't. But you can do it in stocks because you can just be like, well, okay, we'll sell five grand with the Commonwealth Bank we'll give the guy his investment back. And that's why we only tend to use these things for liquid investments. Moreover, this is not 
as we pro- Drew and I will attest to, things like private businesses. Imagine if you wanted to invest in a private company. There's no ETF for that. There's no index fund for that. So you do it directly, in which case that's an active management decision. Does that make it a bad investment? No, it's just different. So the liquidity can actually be a benefit or it can be a hindrance. And index funds aren't perfect is probably the closure, which would be, you know, if you're investing in Australia, you need to be comfortable at 42%. So 42 cents in every dollar is going to go into materials and financials. Yeah, those are the two sectors that dominate the Aussie market. A lot of people would say that's not diversified, but that's where you might blend active and passive. That's why it's not, everyone wants it active, wants it to be active versus passive, passive wants to be passive versus active, but it's both. Any good allocator or portfolio constructor, that's a word. <laughs> we'll go with it. Should be blending both. We'll put links in the show notes to the major providers' websites. We'll also put a link to research reports that is probably the industry standard on active fund managers versus passive fund managers. As Drew and I will both tell you, no matter where you meet us, not just here on the podcast, that we don't necessarily pick sides. We just want the best outcomes for our community and for our clients, no matter what. So even though we talk about index funds in in this one, we've talked about managed funds separately and we have a lot of active fund managers on the show presenting at our events just because we want everyone's, I guess, horizon to be open and and aware of what's available. And at the end of the day, index funds have performed exceptionally well over a long period of time, but they can, and mark my words, there can be periods like 10 years where they don't perform well. They go nowhere. So you need to make sure that you have every tool available to you in your arsenal. But for the most part, it's a great place to start, I think. Drew, this was heaps of fun. If people want to find out more about you, where do they go? Uh, straight to the Waddle Partners website. Waddlepartners.com.au slash contact. Beauty. Link in the show notes. Check it out. And you can find out more about me, Owen Rask, on the Rask website, rask.com.au. Drew, this is always a bit of fun. 20 minutes. Bang, done. Index funds. Thanks for joining me. Good to be here. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.